Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. 25 years ago, this church got started, and it got started with this in mind, um, that we're not going to be a, a dispenser of religious goods and services. Like, that's not what we're up to. Uh, like, what we're up to is, is being serious about following Jesus, doing his mission in our city and through our city, uh, the world. And, and that was a commitment. I mean, if you're here, you're like, oh, you know, I like this place. You know, Brian doesn't mess around. Like, he preaches the word. Like, hey, man, I'm not a business. You're not a consumer. Uh, we're brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, daughters and sons. And we love Jesus and want to follow him, serve him, make him famous and let other people know about him. And we're, we're committed to that. Like, this is what we're passionate about. And we put our, our money where our mouth is. Uh, this year, we'll probably give somewhere around one hundred fifty dollars to $200,000 to help start and strengthen other churches. And, and even more than that, uh, there's been a commitment from the very, very beginning uh, about sharing uh, what we have, whatever that is. Sometimes it's been little, sometimes it's been more than a little. And... Um, uh, and that includes uh, leaders, and, and the leaders in this church give away their time. I, myself, give away about 30% of my time, and, and you guys are, are good with that to share, uh, to help, and, and strengthen other churches. So about eight or nine times a year, I, I won't be here on a Sunday. I'm not sleeping in. Uh, I'm not watching football, although those are good guesses. Um, uh, I'm, I'm at another church that, that we serve either in the U.S., Canada, uh, you know, Mexico, or wherever, and uh, this past week, my wife and I, as long with John and Linda Lamferman, were in Cyprus, and we are there with our broader family of churches called New Frontiers, um, and it was, just, it was just such a privilege uh, to be there. Um, the, the, all the churches, the nations, and the stories, I mean, knowing people, knowing people, like uh, we have brothers and, and sisters in, in, in India, and they, they are being arrested, they are being beaten for their faith. Uh, this is, this, it's, it's not a story, it's happening. And uh, to be with them and to pray with them and, and, and they're, they're emboldened, uh, uh, they have some fear and concerns and troubles, but they're emboldened in, in places in Europe and, and uh, places in Africa, places, you know, new nations, uh, the gospel going to people that uh, have, don't have a, a Bible in their language and, and we're breaking into those communities, places in the Middle East that I cannot mention, uh, you know, horrific things. And, and they're having debates on, uh, you know, under constant threat of, of, of bombs and people showing up with big knives and, and guns. And think about our conversation, should we have coffee before service or after service? And, and it's just all really humbling. And, uh, and to be there with, with, and if you watch the news, Russian believers, Russian leaders, and Ukrainian uh, pastors and believers and, 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 and receiving communion together and to see that, that their, their, their alignment is with Jesus and the kingdom more than a nation, even though there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of misunderstanding, as you can imagine. It was just so humbling. And, and I was reminded of, what it says in First 
Thessalonians uh, 3 in that section. And it's a great, uh, it's a great letter of Paul because you know, sometimes, like, how do you identify with the Apostle Paul? Well, Paul, he said he wrote this as a brother, as a sibling. He also, another place that he wrote it as a father and he wrote it as a mother, if you can believe that. And so we, everyone's in on this. And uh, he talks about the joy that he had because of you, because of our uh, community and, and, and the partnership that we have in the gospel. And that when we come together, that we fill up what's lacking in our faith. And, and we do that every week here. We fill up what's lacking uh, in our faith. That's a community thing. And we get in our groups, we fill up what's lacking in our faith. When I was there in Cyprus, um, I, I noticed that there was, a, there, was a gap, there was something lacking in my faith. And uh, to, to be amongst uh, these men and women, you know, it says in Hebrews 11, I think, verse 38, it's uh, talking about all these great heroes of the faith of whom the world is not worthy. And just standing there amongst men and women who I would say, just the world is not worthy. And um, it was just, it was amazing. And I just want you to know that you're a part of it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm there in a sense on our behalf and you don't always get to hear about it. You don't always get to see an experience. I wish you could have been there. I wish I could have got something on video. I wish I could have taken pictures. Uh, they said I could take pictures of the backs of people's heads, um, which I got some of those, but I decided not to show them to you. Uh, anyway, it's just a huge privilege and um, and we're serious about following Jesus and, and being on mission with him and, and what that means for us. And I hope that you, um, that you appreciate that and are in on that and, and you, know, you put up with the, the different ways that we operate and why is it this way and how come, you know, as Burger King said, you know, how come I can't have it my way? And that's why. It's because this is what we're up to. Anyways, uh, that's also why, like, I am, you know, I'm here in spirit and my body is here, but my brain is in another time zone. And so I hope to keep this straight for you, uh, but we are starting a new series in, uh, called Making Change, and it's, it's a series about building your financial world in alignment with the wisdom of the Bible. It's about understanding how the intersection, the understanding the intersection between money and you. How does, uh, how does money work and how do you, you work, uh, that intersection? I, th I think this series is going to help a lot of people because I think if we're to think about it, it is the driving force behind most, if not all, of our decisions. It's why we live where we live. It's why we will move eventually is because of money. We will move for those reasons. Um, consciously or unconsciously, it's a big factor in who we choose to marry. Uh, it's why here in a couple of weeks, uh, it'll be the primary driver by whoever you vote for. It's, it's going to be money, at least if you follow the stats in the U.S. You know, I come here on the way here and I see all these signs that say family values and we're for the police and we're for gun safety and we're for whatever. And it's like, no, you're not. You're for your pocketbook. <laughs> it's not even close. So it's a big deal. And we're going to take a look at it. And sometimes, you know, the question that pops in our minds is, why would you mix spiritual matters with financial matters? Shouldn't we keep finance and, and spiritual matters 
separate. And there's two really good reasons. One, the Bible doesn't. Number two, you don't either. I mean, have you ever prayed that you would get that job? Have you ever prayed that you would get that raise? I know you have because I prayed with you. (laughs) Have you ever prayed you'd get that house? Oh, man, you know, I'm I'm in a bidding world. You know, Brian, pray that I get this house. I mean, even if you're like, you know, kind of low grade on your faith or, you know, you, you know, whatever, you're like, you know, whoever, you know, somebody out there, help me, you know, you know, if you ever pray, like to whom it may be concerned, like, you know, whoever you are, like, you know, Oprah, whatever, just help me. So you mix spiritual matters and financial matters already. So you might as well do it right. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to mix them right. And, uh, You may or may not know this, but this is a big subject in the Bible. Jesus talks about money a lot more than anyone else. He talks about money more than he talks about heaven, probably because he knows that we would be more afraid to hear that there is no money than there is no heaven. Because for a lot of us, money is heaven. That's why the streets are gold, you know? Now that I've got you all encouraged, um, today's title is First Things First. If you were to ask me uh, to sum up what the Bible says about money, it'd be this. You don't own money, but money can own you. The most, this is why this subject is so important. You don't own money, but money can own you. Um, The foundational truth about wealth and possessions is that God owns it all. Scripture is very clear on this. We live in a mythical world where the deeds of our homes and the deeds of our cars and the deeds of our boats have our name on it. Bible says something different. Jesus God says, Exodus 19, the whole earth is mine. Job 41, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. This is not just true in a general sense. It's true in a specific sense. For every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I know every bird of the mountains, the creatures of the field are mine. We may be tempted to say, you know, I get that God owns everything, but this is my hill. He's like, no, that's my hill. That's my cattle. That's my SUV. That's my truck. That's my boat, my phone, my fridge, my food. That's all mine. Well, I've got money in my pocket. He says, no, that's my pocket and my money. Moses says in in Deuteronomy 8, you may say to yourself, well, wait a minute, Brian, my power and the strength of my hands have produced wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, that's what's so at stake, is forgetting the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Some say, you know, I work hard, I study, I, you know, I'm ambitious, I'm savvy, I, I'm, I'm, work, I'm putting in the midnight oil, I'm making connections, I'm networking, the effort, my education, my personality, I have produced the wealth. It's just not true. It's not true. Okay, Brian, if, that's, if it's all God's, and why is this money in my possession? Well, that's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked. And the reason why it's an excellent question, because it is as foundational 
to why God created the whole earth in the first place. And it's why we are so prone to messing it up. In the creative overflow of the love of the triune God spilling out on creation, humanity was placed on the earth to steward creation, to live in harmony with God and one another, and to delight in the shared purpose and responsibility of filling the world with the glory of God. Just an amazing call. Creation was given to us to steward, and everything was ours. Everything was ours. Everything was ours to enjoy except one tree. He says, if you abstain from this one tree, from, from, from consuming the fruit of this one tree, if you will put me first, if you will trust me, I will bless you beyond imagination. But if you don't, you and the world will be cursed. In the garden, uh, the sales pitch of El Diablo that humanity fell for, that we still fall for to this day, is why be a steward when you can be an owner? Why be second when you can be first? And in that moment, we no longer believe that we were beneficiaries of God, but victims of God. I mean, even now, some of you got like your hand on your wallet, like, I, he's coming to take something from me. Okay, Brian, why 2022 creation, whatever, the Bible, ancient history, why do I have wealth? Whether it's $10 or 10 million, uh, you are the steward, same deal, same deal as the beginning, same deal. You are the, you are the steward of what God has given you on his behalf. You are one of God's money managers. Now put that on a business card. I'm, I'm, I'm one of God's money managers. I'm kind of a big deal. I'm one of his men. And um, as a steward or a custodian of that wealth, you disperse based upon the desires of the owner I was a uh, financial advisor, money manager in a former life, and, and, I put, and people put millions of, uh, of dollars in my possession, then they gave me the authority to, to direct that uh, on their behalf in various different investments. Now, financial money managers like me show up all the time in the news, and uh, they get convicted of what is considered to be heinous, heinous crimes. One guy in recent history got 150 years in prison, and to be quite frank, people were hoping for a lot worse. And the crime he committed is something called embezzlement. Embezzlement is when a custodian or a steward of assets are used for a purpose other than what was laid out by the owner, typically for selfish gain. And the more selfish the gain, the more trouble they are in. You and I will not be taken to any human court for how we have embezzled what God has given us. But we will be held accountable. Okay, so what do I do with this wealth? Well, what's he up to? Well, let me tell you what he's not up to. He's not... He's not up to, he's not wanting something from you. You know, inflation's bad and 
He's got, he's got to repair the, the, the gold sidewalks in heaven. And like, you know, it's just, he's a little short and he needs it from you. Hey, he said, I mean, who, who, who do I owe anything? I own the cattle and everything's mine. He's not, he's not after you. He's not, he's not, he's not after to, he's not, I'm in a different time zone. Remember that. Remember I said that? <laughs> I'm in a different time zone. Who's watching this online? Um, he's not after to, he's not wanting to take something from you, but he is here to make sure that nothing else takes from you. That's what he's up to. So his first priority, his first priority when he gives this to you, just like creation, now make sure you put me first. Because if you don't, things are going to go bad. So he wants to make sure that you're not a slave to it. He wants to make sure that you're not a slave to it. He wants to set you free from the power money has over you. I said this in the beginning, you don't own money, but money can own you. Well, how do I know? Well, no servant, he says, can serve two masters, for they'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Wait, 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 Jesus, didn't you mean God and the devil? I mean, didn't, the devil... The devil only deceives us into believing that God is not ultimate. And he'll use whatever. He'll use whatever he can as a substitute for that, as something that is ultimate. John Wesley said that he doesn't care what side of the horse you fall off on as long as you fall off. He'll find that place where you're leaning and push you. And for most of us, if not all of us, Money's one of them. It's the big one. The Bible says that we are prone to worship created things versus the creator. And in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve the earth to steward. And instead of loving God and managing creation, they loved creation and they managed God. Adam and Eve didn't put God first and brought destruction into their world and our world. And it's not actually hard to think. I mean, if you just think about it. First. We, we can all think of someone out of their passion for money who at some level ruined their life, ruined a marriage, ruined a, a relationship with a child. You can certainly think of, you know, people who maybe ruined other people's lives in their pursuit of money. They stole from them, they manipulated them. You can't own money, but money can own you. One of the ways that you know it owns you is that you think it's yours. I wish I had a clip of like Gollum right now. After the precious. We're all like Gollum. It's mine. You cannot serve God. What do you mean you can't serve God in money? We'll, we'll give it away. Well, I can't do that. Why not? Because you're a slave to whatever has control over you. So God says, make me first. 
That's, I mean, that's what the tithe is all about. Tithe, the word tithe just means tenth. Don't you have to be afraid of it. It's not a scary word. It's just tenth. It's all it means. But what's really important about this, biblically, is that it's first. It's first. So in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I just want to make a note here that this is a section scripture called the wisdom literature. So this isn't law. This is not saying this is the law. This is Solomon, the wisest person ever, noticing the behavior of humanity. He says, you know what? I've noticed that when people make God first financially, they, they live blessed lives. And when they don't do that, they live cursed lives. It's him just noticing how things work. And we see this um, in contrast in Genesis 4, in the course of time, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Abel brought the first of his flock and fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Well, that seems a little rough. I mean, he gave, didn't he? It's not about the money or the fruit or whatever he gave. It's about what's first. And for Abel, it was first. For, for Cain, it was in the course of time. When he thought he could afford it. When he thought it was what he should do. And it's not just that God won't regard it. It's that he can't regard it. Did you know there's things that God can't do that you and I can do? There's some things that God can't. You know, God, God is not a man that he can lie it's not that he just won't lie, like he just really, you know, he just walks a straight and narrow. He won't do it. No, won't do it. He can't do it. Why? Because it's not that he just tells the truth. He is the truth. It's his essence. It's his being. He cannot, he is unable to lie. He's omniscient. He can't think like you and I think. He can't do it. He can't think the way you think. Nothing ever occurs to him. Sometimes they don't occur to us either, apparently. All right, okay. Um, immutability. He can't change. He can't improve. Why? Because he's already best. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. Here's something else about God. He's omniscient. Or excuse me, he's preeminent. I already said that one which means he can't be second. It's not that he won't be second. He can't be second. The most important thing you can do financially is make God first in your finances. Um, and, and this is powerful for everyone who, who does this. And, and if you're new here, I mean, this is not about, I mean... I don't, I, we don't take an offering anymore. We, I mean, you could give online if you want, but we're, this is, there's nothing going to happen. No one's going to ask you to give money today. This is about you, and this is about what you give first. But everybody I ever know who ever does this never regrets it, ever. In fact, there's one pastor um, that I know and, and, and more that I know of that they're so convinced of this. They'll do things. They'll, they'll, they've told their, their church, hey, if you give... 
If you tithe for a year and you somehow regret it, I'll give all your money back. And so I thought about that and I've, and I've prayed about that. And I've decided that if you tithe for a year and somehow you regret it, David will give you all of your money back. <laughs> hey, we're not into gimmicks. But it's true. I remember, I, I remember like it was yesterday in November 1999. It was a cold and rainy night. And I remember writing that check. And my hands were shaking. I had new Christian, new to my job, 100% commission, more month than money, more debt than deposits. I, I'd put him first in a lot of areas except this one. John Wesley also said the last thing to get converted in a man is his wallet. And that was true for me. It was one of the, uh, no joke. Scare, one of the scariest things I've ever done. I mean, I mean legitimately scary. Like, I was afraid to do it. But I also, I, a thousand percent, the most freeing thing I've ever done. And I haven't stopped. Teach our kids this. Those who've been around, you know about the, the three jars. Give, save, spend the rest. Give, save, spend the rest. God, why do I do that? Why do I do the chart? Because God gets first. That's how reality is. This is reality. This is, this is how money and you work. This is huge. Um, this same guy that, that did this, and I was asking him questions about it, and he was telling me stories. And one of the stories that he told was like, the, he remembers this business guy came to him and he t- preached about tithing and this guy was making about 100,000 a year. And so he's given, he's tithing, he's given $10,000. And the Bible uses re, the word return, but that's another sermon. Um, doesn't use the word give. Because um, you can't give something that's not yours. But anyway, the, uh, so he does this. And well, anyway, this guy's business is going well. And, and now he's making like three or 400,000. And he comes to his pastor and he's like, he's like, man, you know, like, you know, before it was like $10,000 and now it's like 30 or, or 40 or, or more. Like, you know, I, I don't know that I could afford that. He's like, hey, I totally get it. I totally, get it. let me pray for you. He says, puts his hand on his back. He says, God, I pray that you would lower this man's salary so that he could afford to tithe. <laughs> the guy's like, no, 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 no. Don't pray that prayer. Don't pray that prayer. Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. We're not givers, but we are receivers. And putting him first is the best and the most important thing that you can do with your money. If you don't want money to own you, if you don't want to be a slave to it, put him first. Now, we've been talking very high level, and I'm going to bring crash this to ground level. The other thing I think you should do is another scary word. It's the B word. It's, I think you should budget. <laughs> Tithing, budget, this place is terrible. Um, <laughs> I think you should budget. Well, more than budget, here's my challenge to you. 
for the next two months, I think you should track your spending. I think you should spy on your money. I think you should follow it around and see where it goes. You need to be knowing where your money be going. And here's why. You want to know why? It's not yours. It's not yours. When I was a money manager, I, was, I would sit down maybe on a quarterly basis and, and they would sit down and we, they would, the first question on their mind, which is probably the first question on your mind is how did my money do? What did you do with my money? And it, ne- it was never, you know what? I'm not really sure. I'm not really good at keeping track. I kind of generally know where it is. And if you give me a minute, maybe I can think through a little bit about, no, I mean, there was charts and graphs and all kinds of things to illustrate in great detail how I did with their money. I think that you should keep track of your money, even if you don't even get to a budget. Sorry I said that word. Even if you don't get to that, if you just track it for two months and just see where it goes, you will know whether or not you are a slave to money or not. Wouldn't you want to know that? Wouldn't you want to know If you are a slave to money, track it. Tracking it is a way to tell your heart over and over again, I'm accountable for this. I'm responsible for this. I'm a steward of this. This is not mine. This is someone else's. And I want to take good use of this. Do you have any teenagers or college students in here? Maybe a few. I, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a secret that you're going to be so. You're going to love this. Yeah, pay attention. Um, if you, for some reason, if you have the good fortune of your parents giving you money, I'm going to give you a just about a guaranteed way to get more from them. Is and here it is. Here it is. Is that when you when you just say, Hey, mom and dad, I want you to come here to the kitchen table. We'd like you to have a seat and uh, uh, pull out the uh, the folders that I gave you. And if you would uh, go to page three, I want to explain, you know, you know, with gas prices and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, I've I've been spending more money lately, uh, as you can see on on gas, and I've been studying more. And so like Starbucks habit has gone up a little bit. And so you could see here that there's a good reason why I need more money. And after they get off the floor, They're going to give you more money because they're going to see that, that you are faithful in what you'd already given them and you can be trusted with more. It's what you would do. What did you do with the money I gave you? What did you do with the money I gave you? Jesus is going to ask that question. What did you do with the life that I gave you? What did you do with the money. And so a budget is a way of doing that and tracking it for 22 years. I mean, it's so easy to track it now. I mean, we, my wife and I have done this since day one of their marriage and we used to use graph paper. Remember that? Just to write it down on graph paper and buy it anyway. Um, now it's so easy to do it. And all of this time, you know, we've never, we've never argued about money. You want to know why? 
We were so godly. Um, no, because, <laughs> because we know, we both know where the money goes and we both decide where it goes. Budget, by the way, is just a way of worrying about the money before you spend it and not afterwards. We all worry about it. It's just whether or not you want to worry about it before or after. So there's my little plug about budget anyway. But you should track it. Two months. Two months. See what happens. You know, I said that God can't be second. Um, but when he, he came to earth, he not only, he didn't just make himself second. He didn't make himself third or fourth or fifth or sixth. And here's why we can trust him. This is why we should just like run and believe everything he's ever said about anything, especially money. That he didn't just become second, third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth, or 10th, or 20th. He became last. The preeminent one took the lowest spot and he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He's not a taker. He is a giver. He is generous. He is generous. And he gave. Not 10% of himself. 100%. 100%. That you could have life and have it to the full. And he did that so he can get 10% from you. <laughs> you can believe that. But the truth is, he did it because he loves you. And he wants to set you free from the bondage that you're in. Will you trust him? Will you believe in him? Will you respond to him? And we stand. Jesus, we're, we're humbled that you would even create us and put us on this earth. Everything that we have is from you. Every perfect gift comes from the Father above. God, we're sorry for not seeing ourselves as beneficiaries, but seeing ourselves as victims. And yes, we are running from you, but you didn't run from us but you chased after us and you bled and died on that cross so that you could set us free from Satan, sin, and death. You don't want anything to enslave us. God, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to the wonder and the glory and the benevolence of you. You are a giver and you are the one that sets us free. We don't wanna be a slave to money or anything else. We want to serve you. You're the only one who has promised and has delivered on true freedom. So we trust you and I just pray for the grace for every man, woman, boy and child to walk this out, amen.